welcome to episode 27 of the Ask Achieve show where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we'll be covering how to continue with your workouts when you can no longer work with your trainer or coach, our thoughts on belts and breathing techniques for squats and deadlifts, and if we think Strong First is a complimentary or conflicting certification with other personal training certifications. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. All right. What's up, Achievers? Episode 27. So we teased the Fit 101 workshop last podcast, but we officially launched it today. Um, And we're super excited. We just had our team meeting and we just kind of brainstormed some ideas on how to uh, put this all together. But basically, Lauren and I will be running and leading the event. But also what we're super excited about is our coaches are going to be running it with us. So Sarah will be running the mindset portion of the day. Um, Maureen will be running the nutrition part. And Ted will be running a lot of the movement part. Um, There will be workouts. There will be breakout sections where we all kind of... um, go into separate groups and brainstorm and um, fill out different worksheets and stuff like that. So it's going to be not just lectures, but also a lot of interactive um, activities. Yeah, we're super excited. It's going to be different from, I feel like, what a lot of these kind of like workshops are, which are typically just sit there and take notes and listen. Like this Mm -hmm. is going to be much more interactive. Um, So we're really excited about that. And we're keeping it to a small group. We're keeping it to 30 people max um, because we want to get to know everyone throughout that day. Um, We want to really feel like everybody gets a a great experience. So we are pumped about that. You can find it on our website. It's on the online store right now. And there's a lot of details in there about what what the event is going to be like. Mm-hmm. And we also just posted it on our stories, so you can check that out as well. Yeah. Um, and I think you mentioned a, a, a key component here is that it's not just lectures. What we know since we've worked with so many people, it's not necessarily like the information. It's more about how to execute it, especially within the context of each per- person's uh, unique situation. So it's going to help so much in terms of breaking out into different groups and uh, really nailing down your goals, nailing down um, processes that you can do to reach those goals, um, various things like that, where you actually take the time to write things out based on your situation. So again, we're super excited about it. Yeah, should be fun. Um, early bird is 149, right? Yep, until... 149, and it goes until March 15th. March 15th, yeah. yeah. Cool, so sign up soon. Yeah, <laughs> um, we'll also have a host hotel, so if anybody's from out of town, we'll have a host hotel um, that we will l- let you know about um, when, once you when do sign up, so yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. So let's get into the questions today. Our first one comes from a former achiever, actually, Sadaf. And she said, I absolutely loved the sense of community at Achieve Fitness. The coaches, especially Sarah, got me from struggling with movement due to knee pain to being able to do 115-pound deadlifts and barbell squats in less than a year. My work travel schedule doesn't allow me to be a full-time member at Achieve anymore, and I find myself not working out even when I have access to a gym. How does one take what they learn from Achieve and make con- and make consistent pro- progress on their own without your awesome coaches? So, you know, we'll, I guess we'll tackle this in terms of not just anyone who's left Achieve, since that's a, like a smaller market, but more in terms of anyone who has worked with a coach or trainer or has been to a gym that they really enjoyed but for whatever reason, they've had to move away or, um, 
you know, had to move on for whatever reason. So yeah. I think let's approach it like that. Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, that, it's it's a very common thing. And it's mm-hmm. it's always so great when you find coaches that you love and trainers that you love. And then it's always so so sad when you have to leave them. <laughs> um, something that we, we do hope to do is set people up so that they don't feel like they're relying on their trainer for at least the workout portion of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want you to remember if you've been working with a coach for a while or sit off in this situation that you actually have a lot of knowledge of how to actually perform these exercises. Now you worked with somebody for a year or more, and you have a lot of knowledge of, of how to actually perform these exercises. So to not be nervous when you're going into a facility or feel intimidated or overwhelmed, like if you don't have a coach, you, you won't know what you're doing. Um, because once you start doing it, you'll realize it comes back to you very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll realize that you actually are very competent in these movements and, and your confidence will start to build back up. Um, I think what happens is when we are away from it for a period of time, we're, we get nervous that either we won't be back where we were and we'll get you know sad about that or we may just feel uncomfortable or a little intimidated again. Um, so just reminding yourself that you do have that base of knowledge to begin with. Yeah, I mean, now... Uh, especially with Sadaf, she knows how to squat. She knows how to brace her core and breathe properly and what stretches work best for her. So, you know, even just having that knowledge alone is just so crucial and so important right? yeah. just yeah. to be comfortable. Um, I guess, you know, what I would say is if that coach or trainer or the gym has some sort of, I guess, like online training element, I mm-hmm. think that would be a good place to start. Um, just because you're going from a place where you've had these programs written out for you or these workouts written out for you, and then to just suddenly go and try to do it on your own is going to be really difficult. So either if your coach or trainer or gym has some sort of online programming, maybe that would be a good route to follow, or looking at some sort of resource online, whether it's someone you might follow on Instagram, they probably have something that you could um, take into account. Because now that you have an understanding of how to actually move, you can apply that to that program on paper, right? Yeah. So online programming can be a little bit tricky if you're brand new to fitness because Mm -hmm. it can be hard to really know if you're doing it right. So that's sort of what I was getting at is like, if you're brand new, you might not really know like, am I actually doing the squat right? If it's written out in a program for you or if you're following along like at a magazine workout or something like that. But if you've already had that base of coaching where you know your movements are solid, then just getting somebody to write you a program, um, whether that's a pre- your previous coach or somebody who you respect in, in the fitness industry, um, and then you can just execute that program, I definitely think would be a, a great way to go. And having it be, so like Sadaf travels a lot, so having it be friendly to whatever you end up doing. So um, if, if you only really have your hotel room and you don't even always have like a hotel gym to go to, then having somebody write you a program that's completely body weight focused and maybe, um, getting a travel pack of a little bit of equipment, like maybe some bands, you mm-hmm. can even get a TRX that goes like over the door frame, um, the things that are small and compact that you can travel with. Um, so having, having a resource like that of somebody who can just put something like that together for you and who will also you'll be accountable to. Mm-hmm. So somebody who will check in and say, Hey, how, you know, how'd it go this week? Um, any questions Did anything come up just because that accountability portion is really important too. Totally. Yeah. Um, and we are in the process of creating some sort of online programming system. Um, it won't be in the works for another two or three months or so. Um, but be on the lookout for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, if there's pages that you, um, look to for information for stuff like that, most likely they have some sort of product or some sort of service that they could offer you online. 
So yeah. I, I think I think it would just be good to have something at least to start. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. we like we're coaches, so we do this for a living. And when I'm in between programs, sometimes I forget. Jason writes my programs right now, and sometimes I forget to tell him I need a new one. And if I'm in between programs, even as a coach, <laughs> I feel very like unmotivated. I feel kind of like a little lost. Like I'm not really sure what I want to do. And it's not because I don't know how to put together a program. I could sit down and put together a program for myself, but I like the idea of having somebody else write it for me. I like the idea of having somebody who knows what I'm, what I'm working toward and who knows my limitations, everything like that to put something together that's specifically for me. It feels really good. Mm -hmm. It feels, I feel more accountable to the program that way. Um, so even, I mean, even as coaches, we hire coaches uh, to write our programs for us because we do really feel like it's that important to have a program specifically. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess the final point is to definitely not be discouraged, although it's not as great just to work out on your own from going from like a cool gym or going from like a, a more supervised environment, like a personal trainer. Um, you definitely don't want to just be like, okay, I'm going to stop working out right now. Right. right? Yeah. Um, but that just to you've already built up such a good base you want to make sure that you continue to keep that up so try to maybe even finding someone else that might be closer in your area or whatever might be um you know more convenient for you or but yeah the online route is probably the best way to go yeah yeah and or even taking on like little challenges like if you have a Fitbit or something like doing walking challenges step challenges mm -hmm. even just little things like that too if you don't have the ability right now to hire anyone like just kind of trying to find a community within um, other people in your life that might be willing to to do something with you, whether it's in person or it's just like you compare notes at the end of the week. Like, mm -hmm. this is what I did. What did you do? And just have an accountability partner that way. Yeah. Um, so just finding somebody, whether it's a coach or whether it's a friend, somebody to be accountable to um, because that is always kind of the number one motivator is somebody else holding you accountable. Yeah, so. totally. And the other thing is, like, if you are – um, part of a really uh, good gym or if you are training with a coach or training that you really like, you might be in a position where a few months um, from now you might have to move because of your job or you might be relocating for whatever reason. So just take, make sure that you take the time to educate yourself so that when you are away from this place, you know um, what kind of route you should be taking. So just constantly ask questions, make sure you get as invested into it as possible so that if you do happen to get out of it, you are in a better position to succeed after. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Cool. Cool. All right, let's move on to question number two. This one is from Rita Q. And she asked, uh, blah, blah, blah. What do you think about wearing a belt for lifting heavy weight during squats and deadlifts? And second, would you mind going through breathing techniques for these two exercises as well? Thanks again. You're the best. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so lifting with a belt during squats and deadlifts, you know... I would say for like 99% of people, um, you don't. It's not really necessary. Uh, maybe for 1% of people that actually are looking to maybe compete in powerlifting or Olympic weightlifting, or um, really want to push weights um, like very heavily. Um, but I think for most people, I think just actually using your core better, breathing better, embracing better is going to be a lot more applicable to real life situations and a lot more functional. Yeah. I mean, I competed in a powerlifting meet last year. Was it mm -hmm. last year? Yeah. Um, but I had been lifting for eight years, eight, nine years leading up to that. And I had never worn a belt until I started to 
uh, train for the powerlifting meet because I knew I was going to be at completely maximal weights and I wanted to like have that extra bit of support and that extra edge as a competitor. So when I was doing it in terms of like winning at something, (laughs) right? Like that, that made sense to me, but otherwise I, I never use a belt and I stopped using it right after the meet as well. Um, I just don't use it because I don't feel like it is as, um, applicable to real life. And we think about all of our training as like, how does this help me be a better functioning human? Mm -hmm. And I'm not walking around every day in a weight belt (laughs) (laughs) and I don't have that extra support when I go to pick up my suitcase or when I bend, bend down and grab something off the floor. So I want to make sure that I have the ability to do that safely on my own with my own body and my own mechanics. Um, and that belt would be for very specialized situations like competing or like training for a, for a meet. Yeah. I mean, I've, I don't think I don't think, ever I don't think I've ever used the belt, um, period. And yeah, I, I, you know, there's nothing wrong with it if you are competing, but definitely, you know, it's definitely not necessary and really unnecessary if you're using it early on in your training. If you use it early on in your training, I should think it's going to be a detriment because you're really relying on the belt um, to, to act as a point of stability. Um, I would say even if you were looking to compete um, in the in the future. Um, you really don't need a belt in the first couple of years. Of yeah, I mean, training. there are plenty of people too at the powerlifting meet who weren't wearing belts. Totally, yeah, actually. Um, I don't think Brittany wore one, and she squatted more than most people. Yeah. <laughs> she also didn't wear shoes. <laughs> um, she, she's just awesome. Brittany Rand, um, she's actually awesome. She puts a lot of great content out on Instagram, so mm-hmm. go, go find her. Um, but yeah, she competed in the same meet Sarah and I did. Um, she was like in a completely different like level than us she was she was lifting with like the much heavier lifters um like lifting more weight and uh but yeah she would show up like there were girls who were in you know all this gear and then she would just step up to the bar no belt no shoes and just like lift 250 pounds it was awesome yeah um but that's because she built up such a strong base of being able to do that on her own um and like being able to brace and being able to support her her own body weight plus whatever weight she had on the barbell naturally that she didn't feel like she needed the bar right the belt. yeah and like for for us we're always looking for we're always looking to prioritize health over fitness so if anything like you know you you see a lot of these lifters have like these ridiculously like tight knee wraps that they wrap their knees around with then they use straps and they use all these different pieces of equipment to lift more weight but if it is there is potential for these things to be more detrimental um, than beneficial. And we'd always err on the side of health. More beneficial. Yeah, yeah, more more (laughs) beneficial in terms of health than just trying to uh, increase the weight on the bar. bar, Yeah, you have to ask yourself why why do you want to increase weight? Um, I I like to ask myself that too. Mm -hmm. Like, why do I want to go heavier on this? Because it used to just be... Because I want to prove to people that I'm strong. Yeah. <laughs> um, or because, like, you know, strong first said I should, or whatever it is. Like, I, why do I want to lift this much weight? And now my question is still, why do I want to lift this much weight? And it usually is, or why do I want to lift heavier? And it's usually because I still, because I'm feeling good, because, uh, putting five more pounds on the bar will make me feel strong, but won't make me feel broken. Mm-hmm. Like, but I can do it naturally. I've been building up to it, those kinds of things, but it's never anymore about an ego thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that when your ego takes over, you end up going to these strategies being like, Oh no, I need to prove that I'm strong. So I'm going to, I'll, if I wear a belt, I can lift 20 more pounds. And then I get to say that I have a 300 pound deadlift instead of 275. And that's a big difference. And, yeah. um, so just making sure that you're, you're checking your ego a little bit and asking yourself, really why does it matter to you that you're going up in weight and why does it 
why is it important to you to put 20 more pounds on the bar? And does the belt, is the belt really necessary in order to do that? Yeah. Um, and as far as the second part of the question goes, um, in terms of breathing, so I would say if you're just learning squats or deadlifts, I would say just kind of breathe however it comes naturally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you need to have any sort of specific bracing style. Um, as you get more and more closer to your um, your max levels, so and anywhere from like 70% and on, um, I would say then you can start to... Um, use a very specific breathing style. Um, we like Valsalva where basically, let's say you're at the top of your squat, you just unrack the bar. What we'd recommend is to take a deep inhale in and then hold your breath and brace your core as you lower down. And then as you're coming back up, we recommend um, having some sort of sharp exhale or breath out. Um, but some level of holding your breath is going to be important because it just helps to create a lot more intra-abdominal pressure, which helps to create a, a better stability situation for your core. Yeah, and when you take that breath in, you're thinking about expanding in a 360-degree manner, right? So like yes. everything in throughout your trunk should expand. So your mm-hmm. stomach should expand out to the sides. Your lower back should push back. Yeah. Um, and that's actually the, the point of the belt is actually to help people feel that expansion when they yeah. breathe in. So the point of the belt is actually to like give a little bit of feedback to be like, remember to brace, remember to push into me. Um, but you can, you can do that without the belt as well. So just thinking about getting that really big inhale in and expanding everything, not through your shoulders, your neck and your chest, but actually more through your trunk, your stomach, your sides and your lower back. Um, and the more you can expand there, like Jason said, the more inter-abdominal pressure that you'll have, you'll be able to support your spine a lot better as you go through that movement. Um, the, on the way, on the way up that, out, that outward breath, um, we like to do like a, if you push your tongue to the roof of your mouth and then breathe out. So it's like, <laughs> sounds like that. Um, it'll be more aggressive as you're coming out of a heavy squat, but that kind of breath where it's not letting all your air out. You're not just going <sighs> because that kind of exhale just completely relaxes you right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Whereas that sharper exhale, you may, you're still maintaining pressure. It's like letting a little bit of air out of a balloon. You're not just completely popping the balloon. You're just letting it slowly deflate. Yeah, and you'll hear that breathing style with um, sprinters. They, they do that a lot. Mm, yeah. uh, um, also, like boxers and fighters when they're punching really quickly, but they have to remain braced to prepare for a punch incoming back at them. They'll also do that as well. So, yeah, it's a pretty universal technique that we first picked up from Strong first. Yeah. Um, and for deadlifts, what we would say is basically approach the bar, Lower yourself down to the bar in a hinging fashion. And then from there, deep breath in, brace, grip the bar really tightly, hold your breath that initial few uh, inches to feet off the floor. And then once you're approaching lockout, again, doing that type of breathing uh, would be good. Yeah. Anything else that you want to add on that front? I don't think so. Yeah. That's pretty much it. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Hope that helps. So the last one is from A Kanaya28 and asks, how can a strong first certification complement trainers or strength coaches with other certifications such as a CSCS or CPT? Are they conflicting ideologies? Um, Definitely not conflicting. Mm -hmm. Um, Very complementary. I would say as far as CSCS and CPT goes, I think they give you a very great um, baseline level of anatomy, baseline level of what these muscles do, Um, but they're very textbook. Um, And I would say strong first, as soon as you go, you have a much greater understanding of what 
um, can get someone stronger in real life, right? So yeah. it's less of a your quad does this and your uh, your hamstring does that. It's it's much more. How do you build strength in a very functional? athletic way yeah and you're you're the really cool part is that you're going through it as a student and we don't get that opportunity a lot as trainers we don't get the opportunity to be the trainee um we're often learning how to train people Mm -hmm. but throughout the entire strong first weekend you're the you're the trainee you're getting coached and you get to take notes on how they're coaching you and because that's i mean that's like the greatest part of the whole weekend is watching these coaches who have been doing this for so long and are so well versed in these specific skills watching how they coach and learning from them and how they pick their cues and, and their timing and and like they're so good at being efficient with how they say things mm-hmm. and so yeah. a lot of it is really just being able to to experience what it's like to be on the other side of things because then you actually have a better understanding of what people are going through when you're coaching them yeah and yeah like it strong first was definitely like one of the first times we've heard of these specific breathing tactics or concepts like irradiation where you're pressing let's say a kettlebell on one side you want your other arm which most people just kind of leave in a relaxed state but you actually want to brace with that arm as well because that leads to more linkage and better total body stability um concepts like grease the groove where you don't go to failure but you go to technical failure or where the reps start to slow down and treating workouts more like practices than actual workouts so you're thinking about you're treating strength as a skill and you're really um you're not beating yourself down but rather you're getting better with each and every practice session Mm -hmm. so a lot of these like just gems and just like actual like applicable real life situations than just these textbook theories i guess yeah yeah that's definitely the biggest differentiator and so it's not to say that it's not good to learn from a textbook it definitely is um and you know the cscs is one of the most highly recognized like high level personal trainer certifications You you need a degree to get it um Whereas the CBT, you need to just go to a couple classes, I think, and take a test. You, they all take exams. Um, they're all good. They all are necessary. Mm-hmm. But I like something like Strong First absolutely enhances your ability as a coach um, yeah. and your ability to empathize with the people that you're training and to like better understand it. So yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, Strong First, especially with the first four to six months like it's a lot of those principles that we use almost exclusively a lot of kettlebells that we use in those first four to six months um people jump to barbells really quickly but that tends to be a little bit too rushed of a progression just because kettlebells you can sort of conform you can conform to it better whereas a barbell is just like a a straight iron bar you can't really mold your way around it and it becomes very uh, unforgiving right so kind of beats you up a little bit more so kettlebells are a lot uh, a little bit more unintimidating and uh, just a a good way to progress if you haven't really um, delved into that sort of thing before yeah so you're talking about like the first four months of programming when somebody new comes in yeah yeah Yeah. a lot of body weight a lot of kettlebells yeah yeah definitely so we would i mean obviously we really love strong first but we would definitely consider it one of the first certifications that people should go get after mm-hmm. they get their their regular certified personal trainer certification. Yeah, we've yeah. talked about this um, at length with a few other podcast episodes, but beyond the base level CPT or a CSCS, we always recommend Strong First as well as FMS to kind of broaden that base of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, those are our three questions for today. 
That about wraps it up. We're going to get hit with a little bit of a snowstorm here in Boston. Yeah, another snowstorm. But, but I mean, it's like... We get we get hit with these storms pretty often, and the Weather Channel always tries to like freak everyone out, and everyone's fear mongering. Yeah, and <laughs> we're gonna get like at most eight inches guaranteed. There's no, we're not gonna get any further. Than oh, that. I don't know. They just changed it to eight to twelve. Yeah, so. but they always do that. They always so, do that. Um, and we're from we're, we're Boston. Like this is just what we're used to. Well, that's so. the thing that's weird is that everybody always freaks out, and I'm like, guys, we've been here before. <laughs> we've been. It's been much worse before. And so. then when winter's over, all the Boston people are like, oh, we're from Boston. We we're so <laughs> tough. And then a storm comes out, and they're like, everyone's freaking out. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just a nice excuse. Like if you're gonna have snow and you're gonna have terrible winters, like it's just nice to like. I think you. I I remember like wanting bad storms because you just want a snow day and you want an excuse to like just <laughs> stay in and do nothing. If it's going to be bad weather, at least make it bad enough that you like can't do anything and you have to watch movies all day. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, one thing that we're looking for is actually just um, not even just questions, but also just feedback on the show. Um, what you like about the show, what you might not like. Um, do you want shows that are fully immersed in one topic specifically? Uh, just give us some feedback. You can DM us at Achieve Fitness Boston um, on our Instagram page. Um, if you have questions, definitely uh, DM us there as well. Um, yeah, and then be on the lookout for Fit 101. We'll be posting about it um, on our page as well as stories. Um, and that'll be up very soon. Um, that's about it. So, yeah, if you could just leave us a review on iTunes, that would be awesome. And until next time, peace, love, and, and muscles. muscles.